welcome to another thrilling episode of Truth and Reconciliation. It's the Pillwood Fantasy Football League podcast. He's Peter Elwood. I'm Seth Martin. It is great to have you with us. Peter, how are you, sir? Doing good, Seth. I'm ready for some football now that we've got the draft done. It's, I know. Uh, now it feels like we have to wait a really long time until the game starts. I right? know it's just one week away now, but you know, as soon as you get players, you want to have some games. So... Uh, we, we drafted pretty late, I think. You know, uh, we could have drafted weeks yeah, earlier. We were hedging our bets. Uh, we, we we usually wait until you know the week before draft, um, and I think there are arguments of what's better to wait until you know close to the season starting or drafting earlier. Um, we usually wait until close to the season starting, but now it feels like right. it, it needs to be here now. You know? Yeah, I. Uh... I definitely have had this hankering. In fact, I had such a hankering that I did something I haven't done in several years. I joined a second league. I joined a snake draft of all uh, of the draft, right? Of all of the drafts that I uh, would avoid. I-, I jumped in. It's a it's a work league. There's buddies. You know, it'll be good water cooler fodder talk, uh, and it's fun just to have a, a side thing. So I-, I did it and low stakes, which means low investment. And I'm we'll see. I- Every year, I'm like, all right, this is going to be the year that I care about it. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm going to really try. I really am. And uh, I had a guy draft for me. He used my software, so it was it was like I was there. But I'm, right. I'm excited right. about it. But enough about that boring draft. Let's get to our draft. Pete, this is the episode. This is the draft grade episode. This is the highest rated episode of the year. And that's saying something. I mean, really. Because we will delve out our personal opinion of grades for everybody's drafts. We will, of course... Uh, give ourselves a giant pat on the back as we berate everybody else. And we'll talk about uh, draft strategies, surprises, twists and turns, overall takeaways from the draft. And of course, we'll talk about the new guys' performances inside it. And we will look forward to our first head to head matchups. In fact, uh, we'll have to plan ahead. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll still do a, a week one preview episode in next week. Yeah. But we'll focus on the draft today. That's right. Well, with that, Pete, before we go into the nuts and bolts, what was your overall takeaway? Well, first of all, let's celebrate the fact that I believe we had 100% attendance. There was no annoying auto draft uh, from the get-go and no technical difficulty that I was aware of uh, going into it. That's a pretty big win. A big win, and uh, we had a Zoom call going, and at one point we had all 12 of us on a Zoom call, so it was the first time <laughs> for everyone to be in the same place. Fit Simmons exists! <laughs> <laughs> Some members of the league are now certain that right, other paid, members the of the paid league actor, are, the paid real, are real people. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it was great to, to see everyone and just to, to talk. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of chatter going on during the draft, because it's intense, you know, we're, we're, we're focused and, um, you know, paying attention, but yeah. there was an, there was enough, uh, to make it fun and, uh, certainly better than if we weren't able to talk, uh, while we're doing it. And, right. uh, in some ways better than if we had, you know, six of us in one room and the other six were remote, um, and not able to, to join in the, the conversation. So, uh, I thought, the overall draft experience was as good as we could make it, but I have to point out ESPN has made it worse again. No. <laughs> I mean, just when we couldn't sink lower. Yeah. yeah. I think we mentioned it on the draft, but li- seriously, every feature that we've ever said in passing, I'm like, Oh, that, you know, that's nice. At to least have. it has this. <laughs> At yeah, least yeah. it has X. 
yeah, it, it's taken away. So so now it, it was a little um, unnerving or a little bit hard to keep up with things when there right. was no indication that a player had been you know, acquired. You know, there was no uh, sold like we've had in years past. Uh, I think someone suggested there should at least be a going, going, gone. If, we're not, yeah. if we don't want to talk about buying and selling players anymore, then uh, at least going, going, gone. You know, something to say that player is now off the table and we're going to have new bidding. Because, you know, there are sometimes where, like, you get to a point where you can't bid anymore or you know you're not going to bid anymore. And so you start looking at other stuff. It's nice to have that reminder of like, okay, we're looking at a new player now. Some, a, a beep or something to let you know something. that a new player's been nominated. Even, I would right? have appreciated a different tone. Even if just, you know, boop, boop. Like, just give me right. like a, a an octave, something to indicate. Yeah. But no, they... That was clearly the most afterthought wokeness late in the game <laughs> application and nobody play tested it. They just said, Oh, we need to do this. Okay. We're just going to use the same sound that's already on our server. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, yeah. I don't know if that'll be it, the nail in the coffin for us on that one. Uh, but it's, it's one of many tiny nails. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And any other, um, and then the, the, I had some, other kind of overarching takeaways from the draft. I felt like m- this year more than others, we had some teams that ended up really lopsided positionally in mm-hmm. terms of some teams are really strong at running back and have nothing Not a, at wide receiver that's right. <laughs> or, or vice versa, really strong at wide receiver have nothing running back. I felt like there were some uh, very, unbalanced teams and there are there are still balanced teams and we'll, we'll talk about each of those as we go through them but i felt like coming away from the draft you could look at someone's team and be like wow you don't have any running backs <laughs> <laughs> uh, this year more than others and maybe that was just because of the way the player pool looks this year maybe it's my own bias because there are there are a chunk of running backs that i was never gonna touch and i don't want them so i don't even really count them as having a running back you know yeah um the the Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, uh, uh, who else is in there? Uh, I don't know. Um, can't think off the top of my head. But there, there's a, a kind of a, a group in that bunch. Oh, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, of course, he's dead to me, so I forgot of about him. Of course you did. Uh, sure. <laughs> but there, there's that group of players where it's like, I don't want them. They're probably going to be okay. I'm never going to touch them, so I don't really count them as, as having a running back. And my bias probably going to end up being wrong. And I'll you know eat those words uh, as we go through the draft, and I, I hate on people who did draft them. But sure. um, and any other overarching uh, themes that you, you came away with from the draft? Well, I really enjoyed the Zoom. Thanks for setting that up. I, yeah. It's kind mm-hmm. of a weird thing, but I've gotten so used to that that it really was the best of both worlds to me from a actual draft standpoint. I had my cooler, I had my home court computer advantage, and my studio, you know. And I had my group of friends there on the line, and it was it was just about as good as it could be given the circumstances. I did miss out on the golf. I did miss out on the togetherness factor in that regard, making it a weekend you know experience as opposed to uh, a couple of hours together. But again, best case scenario given worst case situation. So uh, thanks for setting that up. That was fun. Uh, I will say that the uh, the lobby. I feel like. ESPN's innovation is in all the wrong places. <laughs> it's like we're gonna spend time on it. Maybe like do like a focus group or something. Ask some questions. 
Like there's, you've got a great amount of fans that enjoy the game. They've got some opinions. Ask them what they would like to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, especially if you're looking for ad revenue and you want to keep people on your platform. Maybe you're just trying, I don't know. So uh, the, I, moving into the actual concept of the auction draft itself, uh, things were, uh, as I for the most part, expected them to be in terms of tone and the amount of seriousness and concentration that we all possess. Not a lot of, of chatter for the most part, unless there's a breather moment to have. Um, I it, it felt like it was harder to get value this year than it has been in the past. I know there were a couple of steals, uh, and, uh, but I feel like the moments where somebody slipped through under value were few and far between, and that continues to be the case. I felt like uh, everybody knew what I knew. I, I don't know if there were any any secrets in this draft, and that's either indicative of everybody doing the research to the point where there are no secrets, or there's just not a lot of variety uh, in the, the pool of NFL bandwidth of players right now. So maybe somewhere in between. I, I like to think it's because our league is so savvy that everybody just was aware of that. Do you have a comment on the overall... Uh, Savviness. That was that was absolutely one thing I was mentioning. Is you said it during the draft. Is I think everyone did the same research. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I felt that as well. Where you know you kind of pick some players that you like and you're interested in, and say, oh, you know, that's that's you know sleeper pick, or I'll get value mm-hmm. there compared to what I think he's worth versus what everyone else thinks he's worth. And you know maybe you go look at a, a ranking site and an auction calculator and see like, oh, that guy's you know slated to go for X dollars. Well, mm-hmm. I'll pay, you know, like some days I would pay like double what the you know expert site or sure. the auction calculator said for a player. And he still went for more than that, yeah. you know. And it's like, wow! I thought I was going to be able to, you know, get a guy there for a good price that, you know, less, even less than I valued him. And it, you know, didn't work out that way because everyone else was thinking the same thing. And so you have to pay that premium for those kind of hot commodity players. Uh, I don't think we saw that last year because no. I remember, like last year, Chris Godwin was one of those guys who everyone was talking about before the season of hot commodity player. And it seems like, you know, the worst kept secret that he was going to be really good last year. Well, I think he ended up better than most people thought, but still he didn't go for the, that kind of price that I thought. Like, I think when he went in the auction last year, I regretted that I had spent money early and didn't have money to bid on Godwin because of the price he went for. Yeah. Um, and this year it wasn't the same thing where, a lot of times I felt like I had the money to spend on on a player, but he still just kept going for more and more than what I you know was comfortable spending. So yeah, uh, yeah I think there's definitely a lot of uh, uh, echo chamber research going on uh, <laughs> of everyone in the, You're in, right. in, the, yeah. in, the, in the same boat, but um, it, it made interesting values appear from players who aren't those hot commodities but still solid players. Uh, when you see, you know, I, I think we'll talk about Brock's team first, but Stefan Diggs went for seven dollars, and like, yeah. I know it's a new team, new situation, but Stefan Diggs is really good, yeah, and he shouldn't go for seven dollars. No, so, no, no. We've always said uh, we like so, Diggs. Yeah, yeah. So, th- so those values appeared at surprising times in the draft because it yeah. wasn't 
it wasn't really the players that you would target before the draft are like, oh, that guy's a value. I'm going to get a good value there. Yeah, I'll send you this, and I, I don't want to overkill any kind of data tonight, and I'm not going to just stick with my Excel spreadsheet. This one chart is kind of an at-a-glance uh, indicative measure of what it is we're talking about, and that is the overall value by pick chart, and it puts all 12 of our tilt charts on one chart, and it shows us basically a graph of what we spent and how much value we got. And Peter, this year, it is so close to zero all the way down. Of course, up front, it's a little jagged, but from about the fifth or sixth pick on for everybody all the way to 17, it's almost a, a straight line. Like if you were to zoom out, the trend line is dead set, which means that after the fifth or sixth round, there was not a ton of value to be had. It was just straight drafting for what you were worth if you had the money to, to buy the player. Excuse me. If you had the money to pay for the player's salary upon acquiring their services on your team. <laughs> way, way to stay woke. Good job. Thank you. So <laughs> that being don't, don't get shut down by the FCC. No, I right? sure don't. That being said, <laughs> that being said, I think the the what we are feeling is backed by the actual outcome of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, well, well let, let's get into it. We'll yeah. go team by team in nomination order. All so right. that means we'll start off with Brock, who kept Kenny, Doll- <laughs> Kenny Dolliday for $20. <laughs> uh, got some, some value there. I think he was debating keeping Dolliday for 20 or Higby for mm-hmm. zero. Okay. He ended up drafting Higby later on for $3. So Not I think he made choice. the right choice yeah, there. That's right. Dolliday probably would have gone for 40 or something, right? Yeah. So, um, Good, good pick there. Then he uh, took Saquon Barkley, and I think Saquon went later in the nomination order, you know, yeah. than the the top, the first nomination. But uh, that's who Brock spent a bunch of his money on. He spent seventy seven dollars yeah. for uh, Saquon. Um, so he kind of paired the you know top RB with a, a top ten ish wide receiver as well. And then it was a while before Brock was able to take another player. I think he. I don't know if it was strategy or uh, what the case was, but he didn't uh, draft anyone for a while after that, and he didn't pay more than twenty dollars for any other player. So there's a big gap between Saquon at seventy-seven, and then the next highest price he paid was twenty dollars for Tyler Boyd. Um, but then I think he was able to pretty much get a lot of the good values because he was um, really buying players in the you know 10 to 20 dollar range and I think that's when most of the values appeared because everyone had spent a lot of money for the you know the players valued greater than 20 dollars mm-hmm. um, and th- that was sort of when the the reset time happened of okay now we gotta rein in the budgets and we gotta uh, be a little tighter on spending and, and I, I think Brock did well with how he spent um, in that range yeah I agree. And, you know, Brock is notorious for having a very gunslinger-like draft. He, I think he enjoys the image uh, or the reputation of coming in, guns drawn, uh, research be darned. I'm going to just draft how I draft and hope for the best. And uh, for the, the, the thing is, Brock, he, he's very smart. He, he knows, I mean, he's, a, he's an analyst. He knows uh, how to take performance and of players and teams and make really good decisions on that and draft really good players and spend his money well. And I think he did that this year. Yep. Uh, so I think his weak spot is obvious. It's RB2. Um, he's got Saquon at RB1, and then he's got Tariq Cohen and DeAndre Swift. 
and mm-hmm. Latavius Murray as his other running backs. Um, probably question marks there. And I think Cohen's serviceable, especially now that sure. we're in this you know two two flex um, situation. I think Cohen is serviceable as a, a starter uh, for now. I don't know what to expect out of Swift. Um, but I like all his wide receivers. I think he, you know he's got six very startable wide receivers here, and you can um, you know you can start five of them now. So uh, I think he's uh, got good options there. Uh, Tyler Murray at quarterback. I think that's a top five option. He should have a really good second year. Um, I always like those quarterbacks who can run, and I think uh, Tyler uh, started running more towards the second half of last year. So if that continues, then I think that's a great pick at seven dollars. And then Higby at three dollars, I think is a, a great. Uh, buy for tight end especially with the amount of upside he showed in the uh, back half of last season as well so overall to me this is a very complete team um yeah. even with with the the whole rb2 i don't think that's really gonna hurt me too much so talking about draft day, dra- draft grades i would give brock an a minus very nice i look at brock i look at his uh points of course we've talked in the past about how my grade is slight hunch but also slight uh, data driven and in that i've got some point systems built into poker face uh, that include positional rankings as well as draft savviness and value brock comes out uh, very very close to the top with my a minus oh we agreed on the first one How that's about pretty that? awesome yeah well done brock and well done us <laughs> oh we are always <laughs> Who are the real winners here that's right <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we'll move on to Derek's team. Derek kept Tenyon Drake at $9. Got uh, good value there. And then the most he spent was for Travis Kelsey at 40 mm-hmm. And, you know, Kelsey was the number one overall tight end last year. Right. I drafted him for 64 last year. I remember. Which, which Bonkers. you know, it was <laughs> nice sorry. having him on my team. Sure. But probably, probably not $64. Nice. Uh, so great deal for Derek Jim for 40 That's a, that's a really good price to get him for um so not spending more than 40 for one player i don't know if it's you know a chicken and egg situation but Derek ends up with the best value overall in terms of you look at what players were essentially uh, valued at before the draft and how much value he has on his team uh Derek has the most value um overall and i think it's a, a solid team you know (laughs) <laughs> it's Derek. I don't want to say it lacks firepower. Nope, uh, but you don't. That's, sure don't. <laughs> that, that's kind of what I'm nope. looking at here. Maybe nope. that's a little... That's <laughs> a little bit of firepower. <laughs> You're off the air. I, I, we'll be back uh, in a jiffy. <laughs> but, but, but really, it looks like a very solid, steady team. I don't see that that one big stud but you know i think this is a bias issue uh for me with the draft grades is i look for those those studs and i don't see one here i think Kenyon drake is gonna be really good Kelsey's gonna be really good um i think robert woods is gonna be really good and um but i don't know if it's it's i'd say it's a stud laden team so um that's sort of my take i think it's a really really solid draft definitely got a lot of value yeah um you know i like it from that perspective that's right and you know you look at it at a glance and go oh yeah derek went with a balanced draft clearly that that is what he did he decided i'm gonna have a balanced team i'm gonna have some good name players but they're gonna be affordable and i'm gonna go for value and Pete, I think that you have worn that hat before. I have worn that hat before where you look at our draft and go, okay, we were pretty middle strong into the road with lots of value on our team. And I think that's exactly what Derek did. 
And so even though it may lack the, the top end of uh, you know, a 60 or $70 running back or 50 to $60 wide receiver, uh, he does not have bad players. If I had his team, I'd be like, yeah, I executed my plan. I have a balanced draft, and, and this is what I would hope to get out of that. And because of that, uh, he is favored by a lot of the league analysis tools uh, in terms of points for uh, with his depth and, and the balance overall and the value that he got out of it. And so I think he executed a really good plan. Will it pay off in the long run? Well, dare I say what well, you dared to say. Not going to do it. Uh, but uh, in terms of positional points, he looks really good. Uh, and overall draft execution, he did really good. So I, I think that if you look back at our, our, you know, this is results-based analysis, but looking back at the winners of our league, I do think it takes a stud or two to win our league. And because of that, I give him a, a knock on his score, uh, but maybe he can transform throughout the year some of his uh, depth into top-end skill, and for that reason, I give him a B-plus. Dane, I agree. I gave him a B-plus. You're, <laughs> you're just saying that. I'm, but really, I would grade him lower because of the lack of the studs, Right. but there is so much value, and especially having... The two flexes, I think having the deep team is it's a good um, strategy. D- yeah. Definitely a, a good a good perk. You know, looking at the team, one thing I'll just say is quarterback looks weak to me. He's got Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger, and I just don't know. We'll see. I don't know if that's gonna, gonna cut it in terms of the amount what, of points. What Tom Brady in Florida the, is gonna be doing working on his can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But yeah, B plus from me as well. Mostly just you know, really solid, uh, solid team. So I, I it, expect he'll uh, be right there. Was it last it. year that I pretended that you love Big Ben, or was that the year? Cause I think it was last year because you drafted him the year before. <laughs> no, no, that, no. It's every year for the last <laughs> five years when I owned him for one year. <laughs> it's, not, it's one of our it's sticks. Not. It's one of our things. <laughs> Yeah, it's, he, it's a he, bit. He went, People, it's, he, you know. he went so late in the draft this year, you didn't have the opportunity to do it, but you would have if he had gone on the block earlier in the draft. There's your boy. I don't know how that became a shtick, but it, it did. All right. Well, a tradition unlike any other. Right. The uh, Pete loves Big Ben one. Sure. So, yep. Almost as much as you love a certain running back. So, we are two for two on our. Grade so far, not bad. I Although, have, yeah, just, I, I don't know. It's going to hurt our ratings. People like a good controversy. I need to disagree with you for the heck of it. Uh, I will disagree with you later. I'm sure. I'm sure. We, well, we've already discussed that I have an F and multiple Ds, and you do not. Right. All right. Right. I'm, yeah. Everyone. Everyone gets a good grade from me this year. That's that's what happened. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to uh, to Michael's team. Uh, you know, like we said, it's great to have Michael in the draft uh, in the room. People could see that he exists and is a real person. Always a benefit to my position as commissioner uh, that I, I'm not seeding the field with uh, dummy teams that I'm also managing. So uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Michael kept AJ Brown. So you for say. <laughs> Michael kept AJ Brown for eighteen dollars, and then he spent. I'd say he spent big on a core four after that. You know, Mike Evans for fifty-five, Joe Mixon for fifty-two, OBJ for thirty-seven, and Patrick Mahomes for twenty-two. I think, uh, and then after that, you know, a lot of uh, 
cheap players uh, $1, and then he'd spent uh, $5 on Sterling Shepard. So um, overall, you look at this team, this is one where you say there is no second running back here. Um, he may have kind of uh, fallen into one because he drafted Rykel Armstead and then now Leonard Fournette is cut. But on draft day, there is no second running back here, right? It's, yeah. it's Joe Mixon and then and then no one else. So right. uh, obviously a big hole there. Uh, but still, I can't you know I, I can't hate the core here. Um, I think the wide receivers could uh, really be good, and I think Joe Mixon's sure. gonna have an awesome season. Yeah, I do too. Um, and, and Patrick Mahomes is like the number one quarterback. Um, and he's got OBJ. Like, so OBJ's supposed to do. It, amazing. It, it just depends on. Uh, like uh, honestly, I think OBJ could be amazing. It just depends on what to believe about the um, you know how injured he was last season, and how much he's gonna be recovered yeah. this year. Um, I'm excited so, to see him in the Cleveland system, uh, and uh, I'm excited that the. Anyway, yeah, I, this, 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 so Michael's team does not rate out well for value. No. Um, but in that way, it's similar to mine with a, I think, a strong core, not great on value, but a strong core that you can build around. Um, so, you know, normally based on the value, I'd give a lower grade here, sure. but I, 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 I'm not going to give that low of a grade here because I, I do like the bones. I do too, and I feel bad for giving him the grade that I'm going to, and I'm going to blame the cold hard data of Poker Face because it puts it on a curve. But the I, I what you say about Bones is good because he does have some holes to fill, but as he makes those moves or plays the waiver wire well, I I would not feel bad having this team as my starting point. I really wouldn't, and I think he he doesn't have. Depth beyond his RB one or wide one position or QB, like he's he's got nothing there, but he's solid in his starters. Now, can he make all of those moves before somebody goes down? That's going to be the question. He's got he's on borrowed time uh, because if one of those dominoes falls, he's he can't afford to lose strength in one of his starters. So because of that. He doesn't have value and he doesn't have depth. The system that I'm looking at and my grading rating is uh, a lot lower, uh, and I give him a C. Okay, I'm going to give him a C plus. All right. All right. But now, I like his uh, team. And you know what? I'll tell you this. I, of all the guys in our league, with the exception of the two new guys that we haven't really had the opportunity to get to know, Michael Fitzsimmons is the one I don't know well. What I know about Michael Simmons, I, Fitzsimmons, I, I really like like I, he's fun he's a fun character i used to just know him as the guy that lived in new york who would draft the giants every chance he got and right. now i know him as a savvy fantasy football player who shows up when it matters and is very kind and i really like him and i wish i knew him better than i do but it's been fun to watch him engage even all the more this year nice nice that's sweet <laughs> brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> Well, thanks, Kimish, and thank you, man. You bring us together, buddy. All right, we're moving on to your team. You yeah. kept Alvin, Alvin Tremere at $49, and then he immediately held out. And, but For like a week. Everything's, everything's <laughs> fine now. <Yeah. laughs> uh, Watch you him also, like pull a hammy in practice the day he comes back on this last Wednesday and go down. Hey, did you see he had an epidural shot? No. Apparently, like during the holdout, uh, situation during that time, he had to do an epidural shot. 
I saw some fantasy football doctors on Twitter being like, um, who cares about the contract? He added an epidural shot? That seems like a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what, what women give get when they're giving yeah. birth? <laughs> like, yeah. He was in so much pain, it, 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 it mirrored that of childbirth. Oh, jeez. Now he's going to go uh, get tackled by 350-pound men. Shoot. So, yeah. So that should be interesting. All right. Well, Watch out for that. Hey, Brock. You want to trade? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you think so, of my team? All right, so you got Kamara, you got, uh, spent bid on Michael Thomas. Uh, you took the darling of the draft, Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Uh, and then you got really good value with Deshaun Watson at quarterback for $7. Uh, and uh, then you got, uh, I like some of your other ancillary wide receivers as well, Deontay Johnson and Anthony Miller. I thought those, those are good uh, late grabs. Uh, not sure about the tight ends. I think you got Jared Kirk and Noah Fant. Oh, I think yeah. I whiff big on the tight ends. I don't mind, I I don't mind both- saying it. They're both really athletic and potentially good tight ends. I just don't know how much they're used in their offenses, so uh, I'm not sure about that one. I can there. Ex- I can explain one. One, I mean, I actually picked Noah Fant. I was like, all right, I'll I'll be happy with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, full confession. So I did not mean to nominate Jared Cook. Okay. <laughs> and he went he went and you know during the draft i'm gonna own everything i don't make mistakes i never make mistakes in the draft <laughs> but I, I i clicked on i guess jared cook out of the tight end bench not intending to do so nominated him for a dollar and went oh no somebody buy him somebody buy him somebody bid me up somebody bid. i was like cross i was like come on come on come on come on come on and it was like there was no you know going once going twice to make me sweat all the more but i was like please somebody outbid me please somebody outbid me and i got him for a dollar and i was like ha ha i know something you don't (laughs) and that is that i made a mistake (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, now you have a mess on your hands you know? yeah that's right so i probably wouldn't ordinarily pick up two tight ends I've, i don't know if i've ever done that uh since 2017 when i intentionally played two tight ends one for the yeah. specific of the flex uh but yeah it's a total mistake on jared cook i'll own that i don't intend to keep him uh but then i got the reputation of drafting saints and i'm like well now i gotta stay with it <laughs> Oh wow, yeah. You know, oh, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Right? You have, you have all of the relevant players in the Saints offense. Right, exactly. So if there's a touchdown in New Orleans, <laughs> I got it, baby. I don't know why you didn't uh, draft Drew Brees. Well, I mean, because just, just go all in, go well, gangbusters. That was the joke, but Deshaun Watson, I wasn't planning on picking him up, but yeah. Uh, anyway, all right, you can carry on, sir. No, no, that, that's that's uh, <laughs> background. <laughs> um. So I I'm not I'm not certain about Devin Singletary. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him this year because he's, he's very hot cold in the reviews. Yeah, he seemed like he was primed at, you know towards the end of last year. Like if they could just get Frank Gore out of Buffalo, then he was going to become like the next Joe Mixon, right? Um, Singletary. But then now they've got this rookie that they're talking up a lot, who's going to be the new Frank Gore. They're saying is like he's just going to take the Frank Gore touches. So that would. That would, that would be rough for Singletary because yeah. um, then he's just you know not the full full time back. So I think I, I I like the top level. You're heavy on the Saints. I didn't mean to be. The, <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> um, and then it starts to get thin when you get down to like your your uh, flex plays because you're gonna um, you'll be playing probably Anthony Miller on a flex, and then I'm not sure who your other flex play is gonna be. 
but you, you didn't figure that out as the season goes on. So yeah. I think you got basically about what you paid for here um, yeah. with your team. And uh, I would probably go with a draft grade of B minus. Thanks. I appreciate that. I gave myself a B plus uh, because I'm biased. And yeah. I, I do like my team. I have a problem in that I need to fill like my wide R three is unacceptable. Except, uh, I say that I, I'm 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 glad I got Anthony Miller, but I want to see him prove himself. Right, uh, and uh, so I've got some options, uh, and uh, even like Danny Amendola, uh, who was faithful to you years ago, he's not a bad plug for a flex. Uh, yeah. And so, th- like, I-, I feel okay about it, but I feel like some moves will eventually help me. Tell you the truth, I wasn't planning on drafting. Well, I, I, that's not true. The only, uh, uh, the only condition I was going to draft Michael Thomas uh, is if I didn't get a certain player that I really, really wanted. Uh, it was like, okay, if I don't get him, then it has to be Michael Thomas. I, gotcha. I bet you can guess who it was. Uh, my guy? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, because we kept bidding for him. And... <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so uh, I, that was one thing I did when I asked you is, before the draft, you said you'd never felt better about your plan yeah. uh, coming into it. How did you feel during the draft? Did you still feel uh, really good about your plan, or was it like the Mike Tyson quote of everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth? Uh, I... I felt good about my plan. I didn't actually execute on it because there was a linchpin of Michael Thomas. Because yeah. basically my plan was I'm going to spend between 130 and 145 dollars on running backs. Okay. Period. Unless I get Michael Thomas. <laughs> so so <laughs> because that's half of that budget. <laughs> so yeah. so that really was the plan was I was like, all right, because I don't know if you've tracked with me before, but I have typically been pretty balanced in my approach. Like, all right. I'm going to leverage a good keeper, get a top stud, and then I'm going to, I'm going to go for value and get a balanced yeah. draft. Uh, well, I haven't won in a few years. I've made the playoffs most of the time, and balanced drafts usually do that. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going gangbusters this year. I'm going to draft 140 bucks worth of running backs, and to heck with it. From there on, I'll either trade to fill or I'll just waiver wire it and ride the curtails of the superstars. And that'll be awesome. And I feel great about that. Unless I don't get my primary running back that I want behind Alvin Kamara. And if that case, I'm going to go big for uh, uh, Roxy Golden Boy and, you know, look like I care a lot about New Orleans in the process. And then uh, <laughs> just go from there. So, yeah, I feel like in terms of my plan, plan A wasn't executed because of my bidding war with you. But I had Plan B in up the sleeve, so it was all right. Yeah, yeah, all right. That did stuff. And that was a fun bidding war. I, I am curious when we look at your team. I want to know why he was worth that much to you uh, as he was to me. Yeah. Uh, let's we'll do it. Um, okay, so moving on to Jared Lorenz's team, he tapped James Conner for $9, interesting keeper, as we have said before. Yep. Then he spent, maybe he had your plan, he spent big at uh, running back with Miles Sanders for 46 and Derek Henry for 51 mm-hmm. um, And then he uh, took a pretty pricey tight end, Zach Ertz, at 20 
Juju Smith-Schuster at 30, Will Fuller at 14, uh, and then you know some other guys below $10. So uh, I'd say you know strong at running back here, and then uh, I think there's I think there's upside at the wide receiver position from uh, Smith-Schuster yep. and Will Fuller. Yep. Uh, it depends on a lot of on um, health there, but I think those picks could end up. Uh, being worth more than what he paid for them. Uh, and then he's at Josh Allen, at quarterback for $1. I was bummed to see uh, Allen go for a dollar. He was a guy I was wanting to draft. Um, and it, it was late in the draft when I couldn't pay more than a dollar that Allen was nominated. And so um, I couldn't get him. Uh, so I was bummed to see him go for a dollar. Yeah. But I think was, that's a good pick there. I think where Jared uh, gets a little weak is at, uh, you know, the, like the flex two spot mm-hmm. um because he didn't start those three runbacks he's got three startable wide receivers um but it's that second flex position that he'll have to find a way to fill in which i think you know that's if that's your concern that's not a major concern so i'd say yeah. so, solid draft here i really liked the buy of miles sanders and Derek henry um uh honestly if i'd known they were gonna go for these prices i probably would not have kept bidding on uh, <laughs> ceh um, because uh, I kind of put all of them on the same tier. Um, and, but seeing what running backs have gone for in the past, I thought Sanders and Henry would uh, go for more than they did. So uh, I think those are good buys and are definitely going to be a solid foundation uh, for his team, so long as everyone stays healthy. Yeah. So my take on his team is I love Jared. I love his draft strategies every year. He's, he's probably the most analytical guy in the league, and it's fun to, to talk stats with him. Um, the, you, you hit all the highlights. He, he has a good, strong, for the most part, about maybe 80% of his starting roster, I would call really effective starters. Uh, his flex and maybe his wideout three are, are weaker, but he's, he's got strong starting potential. Um, and that kind of with the asterisk of however you feel about Josh Allen as your QB. Uh, but, uh, you could argue that you're just thinking about matchup and playing the Jets up one week one. Uh, Jared's weakness is that he has no bench whatsoever. And the, uh, he's going to have a hard time. He's going to have to play the waiver wire or do some trades uh, because bye weeks and injuries or COVID or whatever are going to hurt him or even just bad matchups are going to hurt him big time. But great draft in terms of his starting power uh, and his execution of his plan. I think you should be proud. Overall, I gave Jared a B plus. Good, great. I'm gonna give him a A minus. All right. Okay. Uh, on to the second Jared. Jared Fleming, new Jared. Uh, he kept Devonte <laughs> Parker. <laughs> he kept Devonte Parker for zero, <clears throat> and then he spent on Nick Chubb for fifty-two, and Devonte Adams for fifty-seven. Uh, Cooper Cup for 28 and Leonard Fournette for 24. And then uh, the rest of the guys were under 10 uh, with Matt Ryan at quarterback uh, for two and a couple of kind of uh, younger tight ends, Mike Gisecki and Johnny Smith. Uh, I think there's a lot of upside for those guys at tight end. So uh, the thing I don't like about Jared Fleming's draft is I think $52 for Nick Chubb was too much, especially when you see, you know, uh, the other Jared Lorenz took Derrick Henry for 51. I think there's a big gap between those two players, and uh, and and I think Henry's better, and um, Fleming paid a dollar more for Chubb. So uh, I don't like that one. 
I'm I was anti Leonard Fournette this year, and then he got cut. Um, so you know a little bit of uh, hindsight uh, favor there, but I, I didn't like Fournette coming into the draft. And then I'm also not sure about Cooper Cup this year. Uh, theoretically, I think he should have a better year this year than he did yeah. last year. But something seemed funny about his year last year, like he's lost his place in the offense or wasn't healthy or whatever. I just didn't think he was worth paying for this year, especially at $28. I think there were better wide receivers that could have been had uh, for that price. So, yeah. you know, there's kind of like three of his big players that I'm kind of knocking on, at least for what he um, paid for them. So uh, that hurts his draft grade from my view. Yep. Uh, he's got some names that I would love to have on my team in certain spots. Uh, obviously, Deont, uh, Devontae Adams and Nick Chubb is, I would call him an RB2 with his questionability. Uh, but uh, Matt Ryan's my golden boy. Uh, he's got Robbie Gould. He's a, as consistent of a kicker as you could ask for. He's got uh, the potential. And uh, I've got, I see some names on his bench that would have been targets of mine, I think. Uh, but overall I see more questions and concerns than I do. I don't see how this can translate into a more solid team, uh, across the board without some, maybe a, a, a twofer trade or something like that. And, uh, I just have concern beyond maybe two players, maybe well, three, I'll give them three, three players may score above what one would hope for maybe 15, 18, 20 points. But beyond that, I, I see him fighting tooth and nail to, to overcome opponents with the current payout. So because of that, uh, that's just more gut. I look at his firepower, uh, courtesy poker face. Jared Fleming is rocking uh, a little bit less, especially where it counts in the skilled positions and therefore uh, has a C plus on my scale. I'm going to give him a C minus for right. the reasons I've mentioned earlier. All right. All right. On to the next new guy, Brian, the kid. Uh, he kept Chris Carson for $14. He spent 54 on Josh Jacobs, got Tyreek Hill for 44, DJ Moore for 41. And uh, then is you know dropping down to some lower price players there. He's got Gronkowski at tight end, Matthew Stafford at quarterback. And uh, this is another one where, you know, Josh Jacobs is one of those guys. I did not see him as being a running back worth more than Derrick Henry. Uh, but here he went for $3 more than Derrick Henry. He went for $8 more than Miles Sanders. I would much rather have either of those Sanders, guys. Yeah. So I felt, like, uh, I felt like Jacobs was an overpay because I don't think he's going to be a three-down running back. I think he's really a two-down running back, and I don't see him having that uh, pass-catching role for the Raiders. We'll see what happens. I think the Raiders should give him the pass catching role. They should make him the, the three down workhorse. Um, but I don't think I don't trust the Raiders to be smart enough to do that. So uh, to me, that's that that's a, a big uh, ding on on the overall draft here. Uh, having really Chris Carson pretty much a two down back, Josh Jacobs pretty much a two down back, and not having um, those pass catching uh, running backs. Yeah, I'm trying to look and see when uh, Brian Kidd paid so much uh i think that the degree of desperation really does play into it and when those high-end pass catching running backs you know scarcity supply and demand rules the value drives up 
And so I think that may have played into it a little bit. I'll have to go back and check on when he actually uh, put up the big money uh, in the draft and who was gone at that point. But my hunch is that it might have been driven less about what he valued a player at, more about uh, <laughs> needed to snatch something up quick. So we'll see about that. I'll be curious to ask him. Um, Matt Stafford has been getting a lot of love this year. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why, uh, but hey, uh, I think that um, he's got, I like Tyreek Hill this year, and I like Josh Jacobs a lot. I would be happy with Josh Jacobs. Um, DJ Moore is a, a, a great wide receiver in Carolina as well. Yeah. Beyond that, though, uh, he's got some some old guard and some questionability. Uh, Gronk is on his team as his tight end. And, uh, he would kind of be a pass for me this year. Um, he's got a little bit more bench potential than anybody else, though. Uh, and so I would give him some extra points for that going. He, he may have drafted a more complete team than some in our league through to back up. And that is uh, very typical of more of a snake style of going, okay, you're, you're drafting 17 positions in our case, 17 this year, uh, 16, a little bit more typical. Uh, but you're playing one through 16 as opposed to, in my mind, in auction, I really am playing my starters and then sleeper keeper. Like, like that's kind of my MO on the, on the bench side is going, who can I get for a dollar that's either handcuffed or going to have the potential to blow up, uh, and, and do some, do some good this year. So, uh, overall though, He's savvy. He's smart. I'm really glad he's in the league. He knows what he's doing. He knows who players are and what to value and how to play. So really, really glad he's in the team uh, or on, in the league. Uh, overall, though, uh, I think that his team uh, is weak in enough areas that it justifies a lower grade. And in my case, that grade is a B-. minus. I, so what's interesting is I think Brian is really happy with his draft because I think he just sees some of these players very differently than I do. Um, but because of where he spent his money, I don't think he got really the, the upside for his dollar here. I'm going to give him a D plus. All right. All right. Moving on to Chris Chewy Clark. <laughs> Tipped Austin Eckler for $4. Uh, he's awesome. spent for DeAndre Hopkins at uh, 52, awesome. uh, George Kittle for 32, Cortland Sutton for 31. Jonathan Jonathan Taylor was a surprise to me at 27 mm. um, dollars, uh, and then Tyler Lockett for 19 was a nice buy, and then Keenan Allen was strange to go for just 12 dollars, um, but I thought that was a really good buy too. So I actually like some of his later round picks. Yeah. Or, you know, his, his lower dollar picks here more than like I'm not sure about Hopkins at 52 or uh, Sutton at 31 or Taylor at 27, but I like Lockett and Allen. Uh, he got Russell Wilson at quarterback, and um, he's really strong at tight end with uh, both Kittle and Austin yeah. Hooper. So um, it's it's kind of a, a flipped draft in terms of I, I I like the the value he got later on more than where he spent his money on, uh, mm-hmm. early on. Uh, but I think that helps uh, give a, a really solid team, yeah. uh, you know, w- w- one through nine, uh, to borrow the colloquialism. So uh, what do you think about Chewie? Well, you hit it on the head. So the interesting thing about it, if you were to take the what he spent per player out of it and just say, okay, he spent $200 to get this team and not tell me how much the breakdown was on a player, I'd look at this and go, 
yeah, he drafted a really well balanced draft. He's got starters across his his lineup where he needs it, and his bench is full of names that are either uh, good risks or potential newbies. And so I'd, I'd look at his draft and go, he executed a great, fairly balanced draft with enough firepower to get him some uh, edge on the grade and points. So value and spending aside, he pulled off a great starting lineup. And I think if you, it's only when you know how he overpaid in some areas, but turned that into savings elsewhere, do you go, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm glad and surprised he got there based on what he spent in different areas, but he got there. So, uh, and it really doesn't matter. <laughs> like, cause if yep. at the end of the day, you just, everybody has the same budget and this is the team he ended up with. So what does it matter? He got the team maybe that he wanted. Uh, and if not, that's when it matters really is if he didn't get players that he wanted cause he didn't have the money to spend. But all that to say, I think his team, regardless of value or dollar placement, his team is strong. It's rated strong by the numbers. I look at it and go, I'd be happy with it. Charles, uh, Chewy gets an A from me. All right. I'm giving him a B plus. So I like the team. I think it's solid. I don't like where his upside should be coming from. So yeah. uh, that knock, knocks a little bit for me. That's fair. Okay. All right. Moving on to my team. I kept Ronald Jones for $0. Paid a lot for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at 69 and then spent heavy at wide receiver with Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, Marquise Brown, and Allen Robinson, uh, basically using up all of my remaining budget. Um, and so this is the team I ended up with. I got yeah. Cam Newton at quarterback and uh, Chris Herndon at tight end. I had flagged uh, four out of those five of your starters for uh, for targets. So, <laughs> so yeah, so uh, that, that was sort of oh, that was sort of my strategy. Did you into did the you feel that? Did it, uh, just tell me you felt it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I felt like I felt like all of my targets was were everyone else's targets for <laughs> sure. And that was sort of my strategy coming in the draft this year. Is like, I want to walk with players that I like this year. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to feel good about players that I drafted because there's been lots of years where I don't spend and I don't make that extra click for guys where it's like, oh, this is too much for them. You know, like Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I would have given up in years past at $62 or something. I'd be like, oh, this is too much for him, right? Um, But this year I was like, no, I'm going to make that extra click and get the players that I like, and then I'll figure it out. And so I think I overpaid for, uh, you know, the the five players I really spent any money on. Um, Allen Robinson was was a good good buy, I think. But uh, so uh, CEH, Thielen, Ridley, and Marquise Brown, I think those were all overpays, but I really liked all those players. And so I'm happy that I got them. And then now I'm just going to, you know, uh, build the rest of the plan as I fall here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Looking at, let's start with your bench up. You got Jarek McKinnon, and I have risen and fallen with him before. You got, Chris Thompson, who's probably, well, Eric Ebron as well. You've got some uh, decent bench names. Uh, Steven Sims uh, in Washington. Uh, I think he was another one of my uh, potentials. So I see you went with Cam Newton, and until today that was kind of a huh move. Were you anticipating him being tapped? 
Yeah, that was, that to me that was no question. He was going to be the starter. He's just so much more talented, and all the uh, reports on his throwing abilities have been really positive um, over the past couple of months. So, uh, just so much more talented than anyone else they have in New England. Yeah. And I always thought him going to New England would be a great fit for the Patriots after um, moving on yeah. from Tom Brady. Um, so I was really happy they did that. And I was really happy I was able to draft him because you know he's got top he has top five quarterback upside. Yes, he does and, absolutely, um, and he you know, has for, for years. And I always hated it for him because I think the system and the coaching around him never gave him the potential that i mean he's so good and you watch him play and he's he's been in that position i mean you're talking how many years has he been in the nfl now five four um more i think really than that well um, all i have to say i'm really really excited uh that he's there now and i think that he's gonna lead a good team for you i really yeah. wanted clyde edwards hilaire i really did <laughs> I, again, I liked my plan A running back move, and I I could not justify a seventy or seventy one dollar <laughs> purchase for yep. him because he's not worth that. <laughs> but yep. I really wanted him, and uh, I would have had a very very scary running back core, and that's all. Uh, and so I opted not to. But I love Adam Thielen. I would have enjoyed having him on my team. I like Calvin Ridley. He's a great starter. Uh, your tight end potential is good. It's got to be proven. Uh, and you've got a good flex option. So honestly, for having spent so much money on a stud, you have a really decent rundown on your roster. And I think you should be proud of it. Uh, you do have more questions than confidence in your depth uh, beyond that on your bench. Uh, you've got a great starting lineup. And because of the lack of depth, you're dinged a little bit. But overall, I think you did uh, pretty well. I gave you a B. Thank you. I gave myself a B as well, actually, um, where this is something where it's like, I don't think it looks great on paper, but this was uh, this was my strategy. I executed my strategy exactly the way I wanted to. Um, and so I'm happy with my team, which is what I wanted to be. You know, coming out of the draft, I want to be happy with my team, whereas prior years I've walked away and been like, I, I felt like I went for value, but I'm not happy with my team. Okay. So um, I shunned that this year, and I'm happy with my team. All right. All right, moving on to uh, Chris Windsor, yep. uh, keeper of Christian McCaffrey, uh, the uh, golden boy of fantasy. Uh, then he drafted Le'Veon Bell. He redrafted Chris Godwin, this time paying $43 for him. Uh, he got Melvin Gordon for 20 and then you know he didn't really have any money, uh, a whole lot of money left after that. Um, he only got one player for $1. Uh, and they spent uh, you know three to eight dollars for everyone else. So that's not interesting to see so few one dollar players. Where uh, we've seen a few teams now that have like all one dollar players after their starting lineup. Yeah. Um, so the thing I don't like about Chris's draft here is I don't like anything after his first wide receiver after Chris Godwin. I don't right. like any of the other wide receivers that he has. Um, you know, I think Jalen Rager was a, a nice sleeper pick for Philadelphia, but everyone knew about it, so he paid four dollars for him, and now he's hurt. Um, uh, I think Debo Samuel is an interesting pick, though I'm not sure about his um, health status after he like broke his foot in the offseason. And then uh, Jerry Judy is a top draft pick, uh, has opportunity. I think he's, I think he's the. Um, no, he's in Denver, right? right. So um, I think Jerry Judy and was the other wide receiver besides C.D. Lamb, who's like had the kind of profile come out of college that you want of like a really good route runner and stuff. Um, so you know that's an interesting pick, but he had to pay four dollars for him. He had to pay eight dollars for J.K. Dobbins. So there's a lot of these like sleeper type picks that he didn't get for a dollar, and, and you're like nowhere close to a dollar. So I think that 
um, you know, kind of hurt the depth of his uh, or the yeah, the, just the depth of his starting lineup, where it gets pretty shallow pretty fast. And I don't like Le'Veon Bell, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask how you felt about him, but yeah, yeah. So I don't think his, I don't I don't think Le'Veon Bell's coach uh, likes him either. So um, yeah, so I think after McCaffrey, after Godwin, this one gets uh, shallow quick on me. I was trying to imagine a system that I would like pick for Le'Veon Bell. Like, okay, if we picked you up and dropped you onto this team with this coach and this quarterback, that would be exciting. Do you have an answer for that? I've got I've got two teams in mind. Yeah, if he had never left Pittsburgh, just stay in Pittsburgh, <laughs> and one. he would. That's he one. Would, he would still be the RB two or RB three if he had never left Pittsburgh. Yeah, because Pittsburgh will run their top running back every play. And Le'Veon Bell could still do that. He's just in a he has a terrible head coach. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. So back to Chris Windsor. Chris is a savvy drafter. He's smart. He knows how to bid. He knows how to stay in touch. I mean, the the guy's good at fantasy football. Uh, I I like Dak Prescott. I of course great keeper. Uh, I like Chris Godwin. Uh, he's a great wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders is. Uh, a hit or miss, but I think he's not a bad number two uh, behind Chris Godwin, of course. Uh, Hayden, he starts to get a little weak after that. Hayden Hurst um, is not the weakest tight end, uh, but not maybe top five. Uh, Melvin Gordon, eh. and beyond that, uh, kind of weak across the the rest of it. He's definitely weak in roster, uh, or sorry, he's definitely weak in bench. Um, Philip Lindsay maybe being his best option down there uh, in his... I like Dobbins, too. I would have taken him as well, but other than that, I don't like Brita. Some people are really high on Brita. I, I'm not. Uh, and other than that, um, I can't say that his team is like, wow, what a great team, but I can't say it's a weak team. I just don't think that it is as solid as maybe even he would hope for. Uh, but I don't think it's bad, so uh, I have to kind of give him a more of a vanilla grade, uh, and that grade is a B plus. Actually, all right, I'm going to give him a C, a little little lower grade than I would normally expect to give Chris Windsor. But like I said, it is shallow fast. Though I do play him week one, so I've just you know already sealed of my course. fate. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, buddy. I'm I'm gonna lose week one for sure. Yep. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, just something about the something about the draft here. I um, not sitting well with me. So, uh, Jim C okay. on the lower end of the scale for me. All right. All right, moving on to Scott, who kept Aaron Jones for thirty-one dollars. He then drafted Julio Jones for fifty-six. Got uh, keep it up with the Joneses. Uh, should be Scott's team name. Now. Right. Uh, <laughs> he took Mark Andrews for twenty-two. David Johnson for twenty-seven. Uh, DJ Chark for twenty. Uh, and then Edelman and Mostert kind of round out the the starting players uh, here for Scott. So interesting draft for Scott. I felt like Julio was like a sleeper pick of the top 12 players this year where I didn't feel like anyone was really talking about Julio, but I think he's going to have a really good year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's he's Julio. He's always like freakishly good yeah. uh, so long as he is healthy and playing. So I think that's a good pick to get Julio for 56. Uh, you know, previous years he'd probably go for sixty-five or something like that. So I, th- I thought that was a good buy, uh, good buy there. 
it'll be interesting to see what happens with David Johnson and Raheem Mostert. I see them as uh, timeshare backs, and they, kind of same for they, they are. Kind of same for Aaron Jones um, right. too, you know. So it's not like you got three running backs who are like exactly. in a timeshare situation, which can go one of two ways. It can either be a headache all season, um, and you hate playing them, but you have to play them because their upside is limited because they're you know sharing touches, right? Or the other guy gets hurt, and then they become bell cows, and then they get every touch, and it's awesome. Yep. Or somewhere in between, but those are his only three running backs. So he's kind of like stuck with them, you know. Like he's he's got to run them out every week, and it'll be just interesting to see what happens with them. But um, yeah, I, I don't love the the timeshare situation. Yeah. So Scott has uh, two players that I would enjoy having on my team, but one of which being Aaron Jones is his number one running back. There's there's too much question around him and. For what you need in your starting running back in our league, he is just not the best option. Now, David Johnson, same deal. You, you hit it on the head. It, when, you're, when you're going for power in those positions and each one has a committee question mark on it, there's, there's a potential struggle there. I like Julian Edelman. I always have. Uh, he's, you know, he doesn't have Tom Brady throwing to him, but I guarantee you that Cam Newton's going to hit the slot quite a bit. And so I, I love... Julian Edelman uh, on this team. Beyond that, he's got a lot of players on his team that I had flagged as do not touch. Aaron Rodgers is one of them. Uh, you've got uh, Greg Olson was one of them. Uh, I wasn't going to draft Drew Brees. Cole Beasley uh, is not the strongest uh, flex option. Overall, uh, I don't think that uh, Scott has a team that I'd be excited about. I'm sorry, Coach. You know, I love you. Uh, and uh, I think there was a time where Peter uh, dissed you and I, I saved face, but this is my year, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but you've got my lowest grade of the draft. Uh, I gave you a C-, minus. Poker Face gave you an F, and I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give Scott a C. Uh, great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to compete with, uh, with that. <laughs> All right, last last team of the draft going to Charles, who kept Easy Kill up for $66. Probably the most expensive keeper we've ever had. Definitely the most expensive keeper we've ever had. Then he drafted Dalvin Cook for $73. So spent a whopping $139 on running backs. Um, not just those two running backs. On all of his running backs, he spent $139 because he did not draft another one. I know. So he has, has two <laughs> running backs yep. for an average price of $70. Far cry uh, from last year when he spent $170, I think, on running backs. Somewhere up there, 160 Yep. And then he got Lamar Jackson for 24 which is a good buy. Uh, to get potentially, potentially number one quarterback. Uh, he was the number one quarterback by quite a bit last year. Um so if you're doing the math as we go along here, you're trying to figure out like, okay, he spent this much on runbacks, this much on quarterback. Uh, that means he spent, um, oh, and, and sorry, he also spent $14 on two tight ends, uh, Evan Ingram and Darren Waller. Uh, so that and, left him. And didn't he spend the most on defense? And he spent $3 on defense. He nominated the defense for $3. Yep, yep. got him for 3 yep. Um And so then he spent $16 on all of his wide receivers. Uh, there were eight of them. Total. Eight of them. Well, yeah, yeah his number one seed is Robbie Anderson. 
Yes. And we know Robbie Anderson hibernates until week nine, <laughs> until he starts to become <laughs> Um, so really, really, really unbalanced draft here where you've got two top five running backs, possible number one quarterback, and then, um, you know, some middling tight ends, I'd say, and then really scraping the bottom of the barrel at wide receiver. So, uh, this will be really interesting, uh, to see how this team does, especially as we get, um, into injuries by weeks. Uh, all, all those sorts of things because I think wide receiver depth is joined. It's it's going to be wide receiver roulette every it, week. It of who, who do you put out there? It has to matter because if it doesn't, then we're doing this for no reason. We might as well just cut the wide position down to maybe one and and move the flex to an RB tight end situation. He's he's going off of last year where running backs carried him to victory. And I don't blame him for that, but he's it's a different strategy. Instead of spreading out the points across uh, depth of running back, he's going for boom or bust, and he's just saying, that's it, running backs win championships, <laughs> and that's and that's his MO. And it's it's I mean it's scary. Like I look at I don't want to play him. Like, like I'm not not gonna lie, I don't look at his team and go, Oh, this is weak. He made some bad decisions. You're like, oh, <laughs> Because if he, I mean, it's, it's a roll of the dice. You said it. He's rolling the dice. He's not looking to win every week. He's looking to win big when he wins. Yeah, uh, it's not not a team that I love, um, but it, it's unconventional, yeah. and uh, and it'll be really interesting uh, to watch it happens. Um, yeah, he's. I think he's he's gonna have to be active on the waiver wire. You know, as those injuries happen and as. You know, player situations start to change. I think he's got to get out there early and often to start getting some of those early season hot grabs. Um, because I, I think, I think even like you said, he's trying to win bid. I think there are going to be some weeks that are tough, um, and and he's going to be all over the map. I think there's going to be some weeks where he scores really low. Yeah, like sub 100. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, because it's going to be such a high variance team. Right. I I give Charles a C minus. I. Don't think I have anything else to add. Um, I, other than I'll say this, I think, and I gave him these points because you know how I have the draft chop score. Uh, I think that when Charles drafts, he knows what he's doing. He's he's not going in willy nilly. He's not going in winging things. He does have a plan. Whether or not I agree that's the best plan or not, irrelevant. He's got a plan, so I always give him great chops, and I think he always knows. Uh, how to execute what he wants, even if it's unconventional. And I really like that about him. I like that he's unconventional and that he made it work last year. And I'm anxious to see how it works this year and how he rolls with it. Uh, that wasn't enough to push him into the B range. You got a C plus from me. All right. Uh, good stuff. All right. So uh, we're done. We made it through a uh, quick summary of the grades. Um, I gave out two A's, uh, A minus to both Brock and Jared. You gave out two A's as well. I think uh, Chewy got your top grade with an A, and Brock uh, was number two for you with an A minus. Right. I gave out four in the B range. You gave out six in the B range, and then I gave out uh, f- five in the C range. You did four C's, and then I had one in the D range. Sounds fair. So a uh, pretty we're pretty balanced in our grading in terms yeah. of uh, slide, sliding scale uh, letter grades. Uh, do we have any, any drastic differences? I don't think we did. 
I gave so uh, kind of reverse order here. I gave Windsor a C. You gave him a B plus. Okay, so that's probably our biggest disparity. And I gave Brian Kidd a D plus. You gave him a B, B minus. Yeah. I think that's that's the biggest gap we had. Okay. So right. we're planting planting our flag on those two, and I'm I'm lower on both of them than you were. So. Yeah. Well. I will tell. Well, uh, we'll probably split the pot there. Yeah, I bet we will. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it, guys. I hope it was as riveting as we always promise it will be. I'm sure that Pete will provide timestamp for your individual grades. So hopefully you listened to the whole episode and got the full shebang in there. And I hope you'd agree with me that Peter and I were uh, less than uh, biased and less than lenient or favoring towards our own teams. I, I want to be as semi-objective as possible. I do like my team. I do like Pete's team, but I think our grading was fair and uh, objective as it, as it may be. Yeah, uh, I did plan to just give ourselves a B this year. Just <laughs> if you can't argue it. <laughs> can't rabble well, rouse that, every, right? Every, every, we're doing that every year from now on. <laughs> B. So, yeah. B. What would you give me? I gave you a B. What'd you give me? I gave you a B. Well, that's <laughs> remarkable. Well, well, well done, sir. Well done, sir. And you. And you. Congratulations. So, well, uh, it was a great draft. Again, in spite of circumstances, it was fun to be together, quote unquote. And I am affirmed every year that uh, our league gets savvier and savvier and drafting gets harder and harder only because doing things uh, like you got to get away with something in order to get ahead. You got to get away with a value pick. You got to get away with a targeted sleeper or just get lucky or have a really, really unconventional plan and hope it pays off. That's really your option at this point in our league. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. So all that to say. Uh, I'm looking forward to kickoff next Thursday. Beforehand, we'll have produced our uh, first week of matchups. Let's do a quick little preview and then run down who's playing whom in, in week one, Pete. Uh, I know I'm playing uh, Chris Windsor, and then we've got uh, Stotts against Jared Fleming. Uh, you are playing Michael. All right. Chewy against Brian Kidd. Jared against Brock and Charles against Derek. All right. And you know, we looked at the projected totals like right after the draft. Yeah. And I felt like they were all uh, about ten to fifteen points lower yeah. than they are now. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're rising as we near week one. So I think we're starting to see the projected scores more reflective of the added flex position now. Yeah. So sense. Um, I think we're moving in the right direction. And uh, I think the biggest gap right now is between you and Michael or between uh, Brock and Jared uh, with uh, you and Jared favored in those, uh, sorry, Jared Lorenz favored in those matchups. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see as we get closer to it. Hopefully we have a lot of uh, really close matchups in week one. All right. We aim for Squish Factor, TM. If you're new to the pod or new to the league, Squish Factor is our trademarked uh, measure of uh, basically ranks of teams getting squished together over time, including uh, those win-loss records and making sure that we have the most competitive league all the way down. We, wanna, we, want, we want the last few weeks of the playoff run to be as exciting as possible. Is what that means. And we haven't disappointed the past couple of years. Always what we root for, a parody and uh, fun till the end for everyone. Mm -hmm. And um, I think you know our, our uh, money system helps with that, with always having the possibility of getting uh, a cash right. out for having the, the top score of the week. 
and um, that helps keep it interesting to the end as well. So totally right. uh, Yeah, always about more fun uh, here in the Elwood Fantasy Football League. That's right, because it's the greatest fantasy football league in the world, and this is its podcast. He's Peter Elwood. I'm Seth Martin. Thanks for tuning in. Good night.